0: This is Why You Should Vote, your guide to becoming an informed American voter. I'm Eli.
1: And I'm Sonia. This is episode two of nine, and today we'll be talking about state governments and federalism. Eli, why is federalism and state government knowledge important in order to become an informed voter?
0: Well, your state manages most of the day-to-day stuff in your life, much more so than the federal government. The federal government is much broader, but your state affects you more directly your state elected officials are also going to be more accessible to you than the federal ones, although you should be able to talk to everybody.
1: State laws are also not always the same as federal laws. So even if you know what the federal rule is about something, your state might have a different law, and so you should know about that too. And also, and importantly, there are more state and local elections than there are federal elections, and they're not always at the same time. So If you want to make sure that you're voting in every election that you're eligible to vote in, you have to know when those elections take place.
0: So very similar to the last episode, we're going to go through all of the people who are in charge in your state, starting with...
1: The governor! The governor has a very similar function to the president, but on a state level. So he or she manages departments... Usually the heads of some departments, like the attorney general or the treasurer or the secretary of state are elected. That's not always true, but sometimes. Um, So we'll talk more about that in episode seven. The governor also commands the National Guard, not the army like the president does, but the National Guard.
0: There's one big difference between the governor and the president, though, and that is that the governor can't conduct diplomatic relations. Doing international relations is solely in the province of the federal government.
1: And specifically the president.
0: Governors can also issue executive orders. And we've seen a lot of this lately because of emergency lockdowns due to the coronavirus, travel restrictions, that kind of thing. They have a very similar power uh, that is limited just to their state.
1: So there are also some differences in state legislatures. Um, Every state except Nebraska has an upper house and a lower house, like the Senate and the House of Representatives. I don't know what the heck is up with Nebraska. Honestly, get it together, Nebraska.
0: I don't know. They just want to be different. I,
1: I guess, like weird black sheep of the United States or something. Who knows? Nebraska, sorry. We don't know what's up with you.
0: You should note, though, that your two houses in your state might not be called the Senate and the House. They might be called something different.
1: And another difference is that both houses are often based on population. So instead of the Senate, the federal Senate, which has just two senators per state, your state Senate is likely to break it up by population like the House of Representatives. So you might have more senators than just the two.
0: So your state representatives and state senators have a lot of say in how the state gets run. They have a big impact on your day-to-day life. The flip side of that is that they're also usually really accessible to you, So you should be able to call your state rep or state senator and get an actual callback from a human being. You should also get an opportunity to meet them personally fairly frequently and talk to them about the things that are important to you.
1: Eli and I both do this regularly, and it's a lot less intimidating than it probably sounds. State elected officials are very plugged into their local districts, so they're usually really happy to talk to constituents. As long as you're polite, you're not ambushing them outside their home at two in the morning, you're probably good.
0: Look, I only did that once, okay?
1: <laughs> Eli, we've talked about this. That's called stalking.
0: So depending on the size of your state or the district that you're in, you might end up talking to a high-level staffer instead of the elected person themselves. But this is just as good because staffers are actually the ones who do most of the work in government and especially in state government.
1: Um, if you attend town halls, for example, or involved with an advocacy group, it's pretty likely that you'll interact with your state representatives fairly often. Elected officials really, really like showing face at rallies, for example, or like community events. If you've got, you know, say a, a day every summer where everyone plays music from their porch and there's a big cookout on your street, your state representative might show up to talk to people just because it's really good PR.
0: You have a recent example of this, right?
1: Oh, yeah. So me and a friend of mine um very hurriedly organized a rally in a neighboring town about, I think it was about a year ago. And there were only about 30 people at this rally because it was very last minute. We literally organized it the day before we were going to have it. Um, but we got a surprise visit from the state representative from our district because we called her office just to let her know that we'd be there. And she cared about the issue we were talking about. And so she just showed up. Uh, with a couple of her staffers, and she was really nice. She talked to all the people at the rally. She was really happy to know that we were there and that we were engaging with the political process. It was great. I had never met her before. She was really nice.
0: And you know, this is also important because other groups are going to be doing this as well. So if you have things that you care about or places where you want your rep to show their face, like just go and ask them to be there because they're happy to do that. And they're doing it for lots of other people in your district as well. So this is a really good way to make sure that the issues that you care about, you can talk with the person who represents you directly about them.
1: So what about state judiciaries?
0: Well, it depends. Some states actually elect their top-line judges.
1: Some states have judges appointed by the governor or the legislature, though.
0: And every state has a Supreme Court, although... Sometimes, depending on the state, it's not called the Supreme Court of that state, which is why if you watch Law and & Order and you see a trial, it always says Supreme Court Section whatever, because that's just how New York does it, which New yeah, York, New York. I'm looking at you and I'm judging you hard for that.
1: We're judging you. Don't call your lowest court the Supreme Court. That makes no sense. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the point of this entire podcast.
0: So regardless of whether your judges are elected or appointed, most state judges are not on the bench for life, which is a difference between the state level and the federal level. Right. So unless you're in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, or New Hampshire, your judges might change when their terms expire.
1: Even if they're not elected, they still are appointed for a term most of the time, unless you're in one of those three states.
0: So let's talk about some more differences between the state government and the national government, usually called the federal government. But the fact that there are many state governments underneath the national government is called federalism. So we're going to say national government rather than federal government here.
1: The national government can't always just tell states what to do, but sometimes it can, which can get really confusing if you're trying to figure out what the rule is for a particular activity.
0: As an example, that's why there couldn't be a widespread national order about lockdown due to the coronavirus. The Constitution actually doesn't grant that power to the national government. It's given to the states under the 10th Amendment.
1: The 10th Amendment says that any power not explicitly granted to the national government by the Constitution is reserved for the states or for the people.
0: And this is really important! It means that the federal government has really specific powers and responsibilities, and it has a very hard time expanding its power beyond what's specifically given to it by the Constitution.
1: However, the feds have found a way around that, and it is called the Interstate Commerce Clause, which is a clause of the Constitution, and it often lets the national government do things on a national scale because of things that happen in multiple states, like, for example, trucking.
0: And so... This sometimes results in a cage
1: match! Commerce Clause versus Tenth Amendment! No one wins.
0: And also, Thomas dissents, usually.
1: This is really funny if you've ever read a Supreme Court case opinion, because Thomas almost never says anything, but he dissents without saying much pretty often.
0: And sorry, we're nerds, and Sonia's a law student, and this isn't funny if you don't care about Clarence Thomas, but just give us this, okay?
1: <laughs> Let have this one thing.
0: Anyway, the commerce clause, the interstate commerce clause allows the federal government some scope for its authority. And then the 10th amendment makes sure that it doesn't get too big for its britches, at least in principle. But basically, if something happens across several states, the national government can step in, but it has to do so by claiming that it affects interstate commerce.
1: And the 10th amendment sort of fights back in the aforementioned cage match and makes sure that the feds aren't just getting all up in your business all the time.
0: So basically, the upshot of this is that the US is actually more like the European Union than a lot of sort of other countries, because the framers were really concerned with making sure that the federal government didn't have too much power or become sort of a de facto monarchy because they had just gotten out of a monarchy.
1: Except we're freaking huge, like way too big. And so the federal government ends up having more power just to try to make things consistent across the country.
0: Yeah, and if you want a mind-bending time, and I think we'll probably put this in the show notes. We will. You can look up a map that compares the size of US states to various countries around the world. Like the United States is very large, just kind of area-wise.
1: It's wild. I looked up a bunch of maps and it's... Mind-bending.
0: So we've talked about what the federal government has in terms of its powers. Now we're going to talk about what the state powers are. And I'm going to hand it over to the law student for this one.
1: Okay. so the biggest thing states have in terms of regulatory power within the state is a thing that's called police powers. And this is a technical term um, slash term of art. Uh, So it doesn't just mean the police. It does include the police, but it's a lot more broad. Uh, It means essentially that public health and safety is the responsibility of the state to govern, not the national government. And that covers a lot of ground. The federal government can recommend things to the states or federal agencies can set sort of minimum guidelines for regulations. Probably the best example about this is because essentially everyone uses them uh, is car emissions. The EPA is in charge of regulating car emissions uh, because they're pollutants. So they set basic standards for car emissions, and the entire country, every state, is required to comply with those federally set standards. However, California had already created uh, emission standards before the EPA did, and their standards are more stringent than the national ones. So there's an exception in those regulations for California standards, and the regulations say that if a state wants to, they can adopt the California standards, which are more stringent than the EPA standards, if they want to do that. So there's effectively two types of standards for car emissions. And any state can pick one of the two, but it has to be one of those two. They can't write their own regulation about it.
0: Well, and this is also really powerful on California's part, because car makers aren't going to make two different kinds of cars to sell in California and in other states. And so the more stringent regulations from California have effectively made it so that those are the regulations that are de facto followed across the country.
1: Right. So in general, what that basically means is that states can set more stringent rules than federal guidelines, but they can't make less stringent rules.
0: Yeah. Another good example of that is the question of legalizing pot So a growing number of states are legalizing recreational marijuana, but it's still illegal federally. And that means that, among other things, all recreational pot sales from legal dispensaries have to take place in cash because banks that operate across state lines can't participate in the federal process by allowing you to buy pot with your credit card. And so even though you're not breaking the law in, say, Oregon by buying legal pot, your bank would be breaking the law by extending you credit to buy that pot. And it's a confusing system, and it keeps the federal government looking at bigger picture stuff rather than the details of your individual life. But sometimes when social norms are changing or public opinion is changing, you get into these weird intermediate states.
1: So there is a big exception to that, which is the postal system. It feels like the postal system might be another agency, but it's actually regulated constitutionally, the federal government is constitutionally responsible for the U.S. Postal Service. So it's controlled because that particular power was granted to the federal government, not the states. So you won't see any state postal systems.
0: Now, states also have their own constitutions, and those constitutions are usually pretty similar to federal constitution they you know, set up the legislature and give powers to the governor and that kind of thing. But they also have some important additions that vary state by state. And state constitutions are also more easily modified.
1: And kind of the last thing we want to just put in there as a little tail end note is um, talking about the Supremacy Clause, which is a clause in the Constitution, which basically means that anytime a state or federal law directly conflict or contradict each other the federal law will overrule the state law.
0: Yeah, and if that happens, then usually someone will challenge it and it will end up in court. And then the court will look at the Supremacy Clause and say, the state law is invalid because it contradicts the federal law.
1: And if for some reason you want to know more about this, go to law school.
0: We are not officially advising you to go to law school.
1: No, maybe don't go to law school, it's pretty rough.
0: Okay, so that's it about state governments. And that means that it is time for homework. At the end of every episode, we like to give you a way to keep thinking about what we discussed today, or maybe even put it into action. So Sonia, what is our homework for this episode?
1: Well, the first one is very similar to the last one, and our first suggestion is that you should look up your state representatives and find out who they are, and maybe find out where their office is.
0: Yeah. And you should also check out their voting history on issues that you care about so that you can see if you want to write to them or call them about anything that is still going through your state legislature.
1: And if you want to go a little further, maybe put their office's phone number into your address book. Um, Consider going to a town hall if there's one nearby or a public event where you know one of them will be.
0: And with all that, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode, which will be about local elections.
1: Why You Should Vote is recorded in Littleton, Massachusetts and Chicago, Illinois. Audio editing is done by Eli, and I write the show notes, which you can find at whyyoushouldvote.com.
0: If you like the show, the best thing you could do is share it with a friend, especially someone who needs to hear it. And of course,
1: go go vote. vote!